Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Thank you, Mr. Kelly. Very professional. Passing the baton. Welcome, folks, and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We really don't even need to do the garden hotline, you know, today at all because my advice to you is water, 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 water. It is so dry. And when you water, you need to go out and make sure that it, you've put enough water down that it soaks down into the soil. It's just not right at the surface. After I water, I actually have a hand weeder, which is kind of a fancy-smancy screwdriver with a prong on the end of it. After I water a certain area, I go out with my weeder, and I probe down. There's always some kind of weed there. And I see how far I can go down easily. So if it's not far enough, then I you know, turn the sprinkler back on in that spot. Or I use soaker hoses, too, because I don't have a huge yard. I live in the city. But anyway... <sighs> So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Questions, comments, or concerns. Every Saturday morning, we get together to discuss your yard, your landscape, your garden, your houseplants, potting mixes, soil improvement, uh, planting plants, of course, pruning, bugs, diseases. Boy, this fall webworm seems to be out there quite a bit on the ends of branches and things like that, like a big gnarly webby looking thing. But uh, I've seen several trees with it in my neighborhood. And actually, in one of the sugar maples I have, there is some of them. But uh, it's, they're so high up, I can't even get them with a pole pruner. So that's the way it goes. But remember, my words strictly open opportunities. After that, it's going to take work on your part, mental and physical. If this is a great marathon, and uh, wow, there's going to be ups and downs and all arounds. But boy, oh boy, when you run a marathon of any type... You want to keep hydrated, and that's what your plant material needs is to have hydration, hydration, hydration. So I need to get away from just the water, 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 water. Uh, this show is yours, and I appreciate you being there. And thanks to Greg. He's producing again today. This might be a record as far as having the same producer so many days in a row for the Garden Hotline over these years. It's absolutely amazing. I'm Mike Miller, by the way. been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I've written five gardening books. Two are currently available at various locations. I also write a monthly, or I guess it's bi-monthly because the magazine comes out every two months, for the Missouri Gardener magazine. And during the week, I do landscape consulting, where I call it a walk and talk, where I come to your home and take a look around and see problems that you have perceived yourself and also keep my eyes open for other things that might be impacting your landscape that you haven't even considered you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. That's www.mikemillerdesigns.com. 
MikeMillerDesigns.com. The homepage, there's my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. As I looked over my left shoulder, the arch was visible through the buildings and trees. Hmm, the smell in the air from last night's fire pit ashes, I guess. The chorus of crickets creates a surround sound feeling. And the sign on the street said, street not through. Where was I? Well, I was at the corner of Park and Dolman. And uh, there was brick pillars at the corner right there with a wrought iron gate. And Catmint was just busting out all over the ground with this nice color. There was Florida Lease and the letters L-S-C-G, Lafayette Square Community Garden. And it was full of all kinds of different things. It was just, it was really, really nice. I mean, it was a perfect day to stop by there. And uh, as I was standing there, some honeybees showed up. And it was, I mean, not too much past dawn. And where they were visiting, well, Deterra, or Angel of Death, you know, which is not really a horrible name. But it's a nice, pure white flower, and the honeybees were going for it. There was some variegated euonymus, boxwood, lamb's ear, and daylily spreading out underneath a redbud tree at the street side. Then along the sidewalk, you could see milkweed, you could see hydrangeas, crested coleus, or celosia, sorry, not coleus, crested celosia and regular celosia, firecracker plant, uh, cannas, silomi, black-eyed susans, asters, and uh, wow, we, there's just all kinds of stuff along there. On the side of the building right there, there was a huge mural, and it was really kind of nice. It set the backdrop for... Uh, you know, more wrought iron fence and everything else that was, you know, the whole setting of this is just very, very nice. And uh, there was an espaliered apple tree. So if you don't know what espalier means, you got to visit this community garden in Lafayette Square. And it's right on the, against the wall, which would be on the west side of the garden space. So espalier, somebody's really being really exotic. There's also flocks. There are some grapes, grape vines that are covering an arbor, and that's arbors over a brick patio. Limestone rock, that's the edger. Lawn weaves in and out of all the individual garden plots. Early morning dog walkers were out, and they were up and down and all around. There was color abounding all over the place. I didn't go into the garden because I just I knew I didn't have time to do that. But there's a massive silver blue or steel blue Colorado spruce there. There's flowering onions with their white flowers. There's zinnias, marigolds, and there's some hollyhocks that have finished blooming, but they are full of seeds ready to be dropped. Tall sunflowers, they've finished too, but they're full of seeds as well, waiting for anybody that wants to come along and have a sunflower. Cool season veggies. There's maroon sweet potato vine. Raspberries were reaching out over the fence. The east fence line, well, it was edged by liriope. Around the north side, you're going to see compost, you're going to see mulch, you're going to see wheelbarrows, wheelbarrows. But they are chained together so nobody can come by and just sort of help themselves to it. So I guess you got to be part of the club to have the key to unlock that, or it might be just a combination kind of thing. But anyway, irrigation heads were all over the place. And interestingly enough, a 1950s trailer, which was turquoise and white, Forester-type trailer, and uh, it was named Lucy. It sat right behind a business, which is a pet supply business, which really is 
where that mural was, was on the side of that building. So all kinds of other things going on. As I started towards my car, the cricket said, thanks for stopping by. And I said, it was a great day at Lafayette Square Community Garden. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. If you have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Greg was having an extensive phone conversation with somebody that wasn't calling about the garden hotline. But anyway, let's head to South County and go into Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hello, hey, Mike. How are you today? Very good. Um, I have a question. I've, I've dug out a couple of ornamental grasses, and uh, they have a very big massive root on them right my concern is that the small little roots that are you know like still in the soil a little bit uh kind of brownish and they look like they're dead um will they exactly uh re regenerate or do i have to worry about those things i would say you didn't need, you don't need to worry at all okay because i'm going to put a rose bush in close close to that and i didn't want to use any chemicals and for sure they might leach into the rose bush eventually. Yeah, you, but uh, if you put the rose bush in now, make sure that you do not fertilize it. Right. Okay. okay. And just prepare the soil with compost and get it nice, well-drained, and make sure the crown, even if it's a shrub, you don't. the crown is not as obvious, like a knockout-type rose, a shrub-type rose. Just right. make sure it's elevated above the surrounding ground. Okay, good enough. Thanks so much. Yep, good luck with that. And, yeah, little bitty root hairs on ornamental grasses. Really, little bitty root hairs on anything is not going to be all that problematic. So, But now let's go north from South County to Ferguson and into John's yard. Hi, John. Hi, Mike. Hi. I got a quick question. I got a son that bought a house here in Ferguson. It's mm -hmm. a historic home. Um, it's got a black walnut tree and... It's starting to lean towards the house. You know anybody that would, you know, pay to take it down? There's I, all I kinds of told. tree service. You could call Allen's Tree Service if you want to. Is it leaning because there's other trees in close proximity? Is that what's happening? No, it's on the fence line, and it goes straight up, and then all of a sudden it starts leaning towards the house. So the it's trunk about. is straight. It's just the branches that are heading towards the house? Yes. So you might be able just to prune it. You might, you know, if he wants to take the tree down, that's certainly his option. And that's walnut tree right. is a very valuable board if it's, uh, you know, has any kind of right. diameter it, it, to it. The house was built in 1898. We don't know how old the tree is. The, the base of the tree, the trunk itself, is a good three feet, in, almost three feet in diameter. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> now, hopefully he's ready to get, you know, hear what the expense is going to be because it's going to be considerable, especially if it's, you know, on a, you know, let's say property line or anything else. And if it's, yes. a, is it in the backyard? It's in the backyard, but along the, the, the property line, right at the base of their uh, back patio. Okay. Wow. I mean, it and makes sense. I was sense. told that the black walnut is money. So <laughs> Potentially, yes. If there was anybody, you know, which I could, like you said, call Allen Tree Service. Right. Give them a call and have them come out and take a look at it and, you know, kind of see what's, you know, what they their thought is cost-wise and everything else. And then if they want to have, if they want to try to make, you know, they don't have a sawmill, so they can't make it into boards themselves. I don't think. Maybe Gary Allen does have a sawmill that I just don't know about. Right. Right. But 
I was curious because the house is built in the dying home. Right. You know, historic is registered. Yeah, so. it sounds great. And, you know, uh, having a walnut tree over a patio, those things come crashing down, those walnuts. Exactly. I mean, they come down exactly. like uh, your know, rocks. Yeah. And that's what it's doing. Yeah, and they stain the ground, they stain patios, they stain everything. Yeah, they just washed this, had the side of the house just done, and he's, <laughs> you know. Well, it sounds like it's time for the walnut tree to go, so. Wonderful. Appreciate the information. Sure. Yeah. And I always listen to your program. Well, thanks. So. Thanks for having me on your show. And one other thing about walnuts, too. Walnuts are very, very, let's say, touchy. They don't want a bunch of stuff growing at their base. So actually, the root system of a walnut tree releases a chemical called juglans. And that's actually the botanical name of the genus of a walnut tree. And many plant material, many plants can't grow underneath walnut trees because of this juglans that's emitted by the root system. So they're a very complicated tree. Yeah, because the, the grass, where it comes up on the edge of the fence line, on his side, there's not much there. Right. So the tree roots, besides the juggling factor, is going to have an impact on that. Well, thanks, John. Now let's go to Norma, and Norma is in St. Louis. Hi, Norma. Hi, how are you, Mike? Very good. I have a question for you. I planted three trees uh, on my property last summer. And it was very hot, you know. I lost two of them. I lost the dogwood and the hard maple. But I'm not sure if it was because of the summer or whether it was because they started to bud out when we had that cold snap. I don't know. But anyway, I replaced those. Now I have my three trees, and they're doing well this summer. Is there anything I should do to them to help them through the winter? I'm continuing to water them because it's been so hot. But should I compost them? What should I do with them to help them get through the winter? Do you have any mulch around the trunk? Yes, there is mulch there now. Okay, so just make sure the mulch is not up next to the trunk. Right. And just continue to water through this drought right. circumstance. And other than that, you should do nothing else. Okay. And then also, I've got, I have hydrangeas, I have hostas, um, and abelias. Is it okay to cut them back now, um, cut off the, the foliage, or should I just leave it? So are you, are you talking about abelia, the shrub that flowers all summer long? Well, it doesn't really flower. It's just like a variegated leaf. Oh, so usually abelia is not variegated. Abelia grandiflora is usually a mm. shrub that's, you know, continuous blooming through most of the summertime. But anyway, okay. Uh, anything, I would say you can prune them back, but I would not because I'll tell okay. you what's going to happen. If, the, if they're evergreen or if they have any foliage that's going to remain after you do the pruning, now the hosta you don't have to worry about. You can cut those back because they're probably getting okay. fried anyway. But okay. when you cut yeah. off something with the sun this intense, even though it's September, I think we're actually in the autumnal equinox. We're in the fall season. Yes, yes. But, you know, you're gonna, the leaves that remain are going to get sunburned. Okay, and what about my um, knockout roses? When should I cut those back? After there's a hard freeze. Okay, those are on the north side of my house. Right, so, so you've got okay. a, probably a couple months on those. And then one last question to do with those fried hostas. I would like to know, I have hostas on the west side of my house. They're in full sun, which is probably not the best. But when I go on walks through my neighborhood, I have neighbors that have hostas on the same side of their house, and their hostas look fine. They are not fried. What am I doing wrong? Well, it may be variety-wise. 
because if you have variegation, so in other words, white stripes through them or something like that, they're going to have a tendency to fry more more so than the other ones. Interesting. And huh. so okay. that's one of the factors. Also, okay. the, you know, that's probably the main factor, but, you know, Hasa just does not like the full sun. So if these look yeah. good, maybe it's just because you're thinking they look better than yours, but they're not really looking all that good. <laughs> I probably should water them a little more, too. I think Absolutely. That, help, so. that will help, but yeah. that's not going to prevent the sunburn. <laughs> right. Exactly. Okay. Hey, thank you so much. I love listening to your program. Well, thank you for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go. And if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Karen lives in Creevecore, and we're headed in that direction. Hi, Karen. Hi, hi, Mike. Uh, we have a half-acre lot in a neighborhood with many trees. We have pin oak trees in our backyard, and we've tried years and years and years to get grass to grow, mm-hmm. to keep the grass growing. Um, we had our soil tested in, by the uh, Missouri University Extension Center in Columbia, and it's um, acidic, 4.7. And we've got Creeping Charlie that we got from a knockoff rose bush we bought at a nursery. (laughs) And it's taken over the entire yard. So we're close to retirement. We want to get this fixed so we don't spend money after we retire when we don't have it. But we don't know where to go, who to go to, or who's going to be able to handle uh, this project. Well, first of all, if your soil pH is that acidic, I mean, it's, you cannot just go out there and just dump a huge amount of lime on it at one time and make it get up to where it needs to be. Lawn does best when the pH is between like 6.1 and 6.9. So slightly acidic, but certainly not alkaline. But if you've got, I'm assuming these trees are large trees. You said you have a whole lot of trees. Regardless yeah. of what you do to the soil or anything else, you're never, ever, ever going to have successful lawn. I don't care what you do. I don't care what type of lawn. I don't care if it's sod, seed, or something that you, you know, had cosmetically or cosmically sent down from, you know, who knows where, some planet. You're not going to have any decent lawn. It just won't happen. I mean, I hate to be real, but that's, you know, that's the circumstance. Well, we look pretty bad next to our neighbors who have lawns that look like, um, you know, Ireland. The grass is green. And <laughs> well, I, you know, they say don't covet anything. Why covet my neighbor's grass? <laughs> right. And uh, you're looking at it in, as a, you know, an oblique angle. I, the, uh, my guess is they don't have the amount of trees that you do because you cannot. You can go to the botanical garden. And you can walk into the you know heavily wooded areas, not just the English woodland garden, where they have lawns. And you can see there's people there correrating a couple times a year, composting a couple times a year, putting seed down a couple times a year, watering you know as needed, and all that stuff. And still, it is not, let's say, an Ireland type carpet circumstance. So, is there anything we can do? Well, basically, you got to look at alternative ground covers. Either that or just don't look at it. (laughs) I mean, that's the easiest. I mean, if you want to, and I, you know, when I'm doing, you know, on the air or when I'm at people's house doing walk and talks, I say if you really want to have grass seed, just, you know, continuously get 50 pound bags of, you know, grass seed 
every couple weeks throughout the entire year, unless it's just super, super cold, just throw grass seed out there. It's going to come up. It's going to germinate. It's going to live for a certain period of time. Then it's going to die, but you've already thrown new grass seed out. This is the only self-perpetuation through that situation because I would not spend money you know, on anything else because it's not going to really make that much difference. Hmm. I guess that we've been told that, you know, if you just put the lime down and work that into the soil, um, you'll be fine. You'll well, get grass to, which we did once before, right. and it grew for a couple of years, and then... Right. Then you're back to where you were. And, you know, it's just, you could go ahead and do that, but again, you can't put enough lime down to change that pH from a, what'd you say, 4.5 or something, up 4. to a 7. 6 point something. It's going to take... Multiple years to get that pH right where it needs to be. So if they just put lime down once and the seed, all it did is like sort of change the soil pH right at the surface where the grass seed was growing. And the grass Mm -hmm. never really was able to penetrate root system wise deep enough to be very, very strong and prolific, you know, because of the competition with the trees. The shade is a factor, yes, but the tree roots are the thing that really limits people on how well their grass is going to grow. Ah, so can we just cut the trees down? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and then you cut the trees down, and the root system is going to live for about five or six years beyond, you know, when you've cut the trees down. So you're still going to have a battle. And then even if you grind the stump out, the root systems are going to stay viable for several years. So, yes, cut the trees down, grind the stumps out, and then you'll be well retired, and then you can start, you know, fooling around with a lawn. Okay, and then who who we go to to come and say... This is what you, what I can do because this is a project that is like overwhelming. You have to have equipment to do. Right. I mean, you could go to Allen's Tree Service. They do lawns as well as trees. So you might just give them a call. You could give a, another couple, you know, go to your favorite garden center, ask them who they would recommend, and, you know, have a couple of different people come out and then, you know, kind of just listen to what each is saying. Okay. Well. <clears throat> Sorry. I know my husband mows the grass. He looks like uh, the guy in Charlie Brown with all the dust. (laughs) (laughs) That says you have huge amounts of root system. And tree roots are right at the surface in the top 12 or 15 inches. Regardless of how big the trees are, it doesn't matter. That's where the feeder roots are, and that's where the lawn or any kind of plant is. So you, even if you put in, let's say, ground covers, it's still gonna, they're going to have a tough time getting established. So if you used ivy or periwinkle or any of those kind of things, it is going to be tough to get anything established there. So my That'll recommendation, work. yeah, my recommendation <laughs> is sell your home and just move to someplace else. Give up. We like it. We like our home. <laughs> All right. Don't move to a new subdivision, though, because that soil is horrible. Right. Okay. Thanks a lot. Sure. Sorry. I mean, I wish I had magical incantations because then I could just give up on the garden hotline. I would just sell my magical incantations over the Internet and make a I'd be a millionaire. And uh, but that does that's not how it works. But anyway, thanks, Karen. Let's go to St. Charles County and into Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Mike, uh, my lawn has been overtaken by voles. What do you recommend? Now, you have voles or moles? Voles. Uh, you probably professional service is the best thing to do. Have them come out and, you know, set the traps up. And probably with the voles, I mean, 
they, you know, they have dens that they have just like the moles do, but they're going to set the traps. Do you have pets in your yard where these voles are? Yes. Oh, because basically with the voles, it's best to try to catch them with, you know, like rat traps, big mouse trap type things. Because okay. they, I mean, they do tunnel a little bit, but they don't tunnel like moles do. Because the moles, you can use a different type of trap that you can set and put a bucket over, so the you know your pets don't, can't get around it. So I would just call a professional service and have them come out and take a look and see if they can offer you some help. No home remedy, huh? <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Sure. <laughs> There is no home remedies. That, I mean, I shouldn't say that. that Call professional service and have them come out and take a look and see if they can offer yeah. you some help. Let's go now to uh, Tom and Kirkwood. Hi, Tom. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Um, we bought a, a 90-year-old beautiful home, and it's got a big side patio. I'm going to say maybe 500 to 800 square feet. Yikes. With large paver stones. The stones are like two feet by four feet each. And the gaps between the stones are about one to almost three inches in places. So we wanted, they had it mortared in, which was kind of ugly. We wanted to put um, moss in between the stones. And it gets probably three hours of sunlight from, let's say, 11 to 2 each day. And then otherwise it's totally shady those other hours. What, I just wanted to see if you thought that would work. And... What sort of base should we put beneath where we're going to try to grow the moss? And just generally, how would you recommend doing that? First of all, I wouldn't try to take on the project that big all at once. Second of all, you can get moss spores. I don't know if the Botanical Garden still sells them, but they come in like the size of a milk carton, half-gallon milk carton, and it tells you to mix up these spores with buttermilk or really harsh, plain yogurt. And then you pour it into the areas where you want to grow. But before you do that, make sure that the alkalinity from the concrete that was in between the stones is get rid of as much of that stuff as you can because moss really likes acidic soil. And so consequently, okay. if, it's, you know, if there's been a lot of concrete there, there's going to be alkaline, alkalinity there. So get it out. Just do a section at a time and see, you know, because it's not going to be an instantaneous thing. And with just that, you know, that amount of sun... You, I mean, it's going to be you know an involved process. Needless to say. Okay, so just tra- like I took a little piece of moss from a nearby tree and and just transplanted it earlier this year. Right. And it's done good on, with the dry weather and everything and the sunlight. It's stayed green this entire summer. I was kind of surprised. Right. I think you guys got lucky, but you may uh-huh. you know continue to do that if you want to and see what the luck is. But I'd still you know. You might not. I don't know if the botanical garden still carries the moss spores. You might have to go online to find them, and you know, okay. try both and see what you think. And one last question: Would there be an alternate ground cover that would be just as uh, good for this, you know, old world house? Um, some of the others don't. You know, I don't want anything that's going to grow up a little bit. You know, two to three to four inches or anything. There's, I mean, there's some flat ones, but they're going to grow beyond this little crack where you you're expecting them to stay. Mm-hmm. And so when you walk on them, some of them are steppable, but for the most part, it's going to be a very difficult thing to, you know, to get anything okay. to grow there. I would just, okay. you know, try a couple of different, you know, things and just see what you think, what's going to be the best. Got it. Okay. Thanks so much. Yep. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller on KMOX.
Yes, folks, back to the phones we go. And we're headed to O'Fallon, Missouri, into George's yard. Hi, George. Hello, Mike. Hi. Uh, I got a uh, white birch tree in front of my house. Mm-hmm. It gets uh, uh, the early, I want to say, uh, it gets the afternoon sun uh, pretty hot. Now, the top part of this uh, birch tree, I planted it last year in October. It uh, is browned out. The bottom half, you know, is nice and green. Right. So I'm just wondering if the tree is dead or uh, if it's going to come back. Well, uh, it's probably not dead if you still got green leaves on it, but probably, you know, the root system is not well established. So it can't uptake enough moisture to pump it all the way up to the very top to keep those leaves looking good. And especially when there's a drought circumstance. And this is regardless of how much water you're putting in. If anything that's been recently planted, you know, it just doesn't have a well-established root system. So there's not enough root to uptake the moisture needed to keep it all really healthy. So that's what you're dealing with. I would say just leave it alone. Next year when the leaves start coming out, if there's branches any place, high, low, or any other place that don't have any leaves on them after the, you know, in the springtime when everything else is already leaving out, then I would just go ahead and prune those off because those individual branches are dead. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, that answers my question, and uh, I appreciate it. Great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Certainly. And, yeah, we're going to see a lot of leaf dropping. You know, I mean— you already are seeing it, whether it's with birch trees or anything else. Leaves are dropping all over the place, and they say, when you walk through them, it sounds like you're walking through a bunch of dead leaves. But anyway, let's go to Creep Car. Ro, how are you today? Uh, good morning, Mike. Hi. Uh, we have a couple of uh, huge uh, oak trees in our yard that uh, have uh, these uh, walnut-shaped uh, tumors on them. Yeah, the galls. Oh, okay. I just wondered if there's anything that uh, we could do about that or if the tree just eventually going to die off. Uh, well, it's not. There's really nothing you can do, to be honest. I mean, these galls were a result of a female wasp, not the classic wasp, laying eggs on the branches. When the eggs hatch, they bore into the twigs' branches, and that's what causes that bloating. It's more or less a protective housing for these things. And so there's not too much you can do. They only become problematic if you get in. I think last week somebody called where they had so many that was starting to weight the branches down and make them weep, uh, you know. And then that becomes trouble because you get cracks in the trees and things like that. But uh, there's really not too much you can do. Okay. uh, These trees and some of our maples in our backyard also, they lost a bunch of leaves uh, early, like later in the summer in July. Is there a... Reason for that? Yeah, too hot. <laughs> too hot? Oh, okay. Right. That's kind of a normal occurrence when it's hot. Right, exactly. The tree cannot, even a healthy tree well-established, cannot take up enough nutrients slash moisture, more importantly, to actually keep all the leaves there. So then they start dropping the leaves saying, well, I can't support you, so you're going, you're staying, and you know, it's sort of an arbitrary thing on how many leaves they drop. But, yeah, I mean, it's something you're going to see routinely throughout the entire region. Okay, so these these uh, tumors uh, are eventually going to get worse and worse, and the tree will finally die. Well, they can, but you're talking about a long, long period of time, probably. Oh, okay. So just don't worry. I mean, you're going to see them on the ground now because sometimes, you know, the the galls actually cause— 
the, the branch twig to more or less be severed by the tree, and so those will drop off. So, I mean, just expect that to kind of happen. So you might see some twigs with the galls on them on the ground, but, again, there's nothing you can really do. Okay. All right. Thanks for your help. Yep. And let's see if we can get another call in. Bill lives in Centralia, Illinois. Hi, Bill. How are you? Good. Let me get away from the TV. Um, I have a uh, rose that's been planted for eight, ten years. And all of a sudden, last week, we went outside and looked like half of it or uh, a third of it is uh, just dark like somebody had put hot water on it. So the leaves are brown or are the leaves... Yeah, the leaves are brown, the stems are brown. Yeah. Uh, have you been watering it? Yeah. So if you've been watering it and you've fertilized it and kept it healthy, that's about all you can do. Anything that's brown, you know, I would just go ahead and wait until there's a hard frost and cut your rose back as you normally would do. Then wait till next year when the foliage starts coming out and at that time decide if these branches are going to be viable in the future or not. But, I mean, the, 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 all the plants have had a very, very rough year. 2016 in July, we had more rain than we'd ever had in July. This year in July, we had the driest July ever. So the plants are having a difficult time, even well-established plants. So that's probably what the plant is experiencing. So that would happen with a, a mature fire bush. I was afraid I had, we had a mature fire bush this year that just died. Right. right. Definitely, Definitely it can happen with pretty much anything. So I was afraid there might be something in the soil. Or no, 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 no. It's weather-related. Okay. Thank you very much, Mike, and I appreciate your show. Well, well thank, thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate you having me there. Also, I'm not going to try to squeeze another call in because it's going to be too insane, but uh, how about your summer bulbs, your cannas, your elephant ears, all those kind of things? They're probably starting to, you know, some of the lower leaves are starting to yellow. You can leave them in the ground for a longer period of time by all means. You can wait until, the, like, it gets cold enough where the frost is going to cause them problems. You probably should cut off the can of flowers if you want. And uh, if you are lucky enough to get your elephant ears to flower, uh, keep your fingers crossed that that'll happen. Because I had last year my elephant ears to flower. And then, whoa, great. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after the news. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.